0: Heavenly Father, thank you that you take the the broken pieces of our lives, the mistakes that we've made, the tragic circumstances, Heavenly Father, and you can turn them for good. You can put us back together, Lord God, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Children, you may head off to Children's Church. I know there's a few of you there uh, up to age 12. I know there's, there's a few teachers back there. Um, Joe, it did not have anything to do with your kilt. I, I have that on good authority. Garrett, this is one of those weeks where there's a lot of flu going around, cold, and my thing's not working this morning, so I'll see if I can't through, see through the darkness. But there's people traveling, there's people working. It's like the perfect storm this week, and so um, it's why it's kind of sparse this morning. But you know what? You're here, and that's important. And I'm glad that you're here this morning. And we are going to look at God's Word. Um, I had a steak last night. Some of you are saying, yeah, so what, Charlie? Ernie, you had some with me. It wasn't too bad, right? But I, I was watching the sign, and it made me remind you of that, right? Because a good steak needs to marinate, right? You need to, to marinate it. Uh, Ike's holding his hands out like, did I turn it on? Maybe I didn't even turn it on. You're good. You're good? Oh, you're going to fix my light? It won't fix that light. You got, it's a battery. You've got to plug it in. Sorry. Oh, but I appreciate that. I thought maybe you couldn't hear my voice or something, but... Um, so anyways, but a good steak is it needs to marinate. Right? It needs to break down and, and not just the surface, but it's got to kind of get deep and, and break down things. And so we here at Pointway like to marinate on God's Word. And I hope, I and mean, it's one of my hopes and my prayers, is that you've been reading 1 Corinthians, not only just studying it when we studied on Sunday morning, but taking a look at it during the week, or at least, man, it's really... a little bit and saying. You know what? You know, I've read that passage before but man, it's really speaking to me right now. It's kind of digging in a little bit. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable and sometimes we get you know like, ah, oh, man, I wish he hadn't said that. And then you go back and say, well, "All right, we need to have compassion. And Amy, you need to have mercy on your pastor, right?" as well. No, it's an inside joke, but Amy was talking about not having any mercy this morning. But we need to, to marinate on that thing and kind of think about it a little bit. I and mean, it breaks down some of that harder shell. And as we're reading through, we say, you know what, God, thank you, because that's for me. And I need to apply that into my life. And so that's my prayer and hope. And it is this morning as well, because um, we're going to turn the page a little bit. You see, the book of Corinthians is a big book, it's a big letter that Paul wrote to the church. But within there, there's some subsections, and there's some, some things that he kind of narrows his focus down. And he's going to shift gears for lack of a better term, here in 1 Corinthians. So we'll look at that in a little bit. But just to give you a little bit of background, because some of you are new, some of you are just joined in, some of you may have not been here last week, but the church in Corinth was a problem church. No way around it. I mean, of all the churches that Paul churched in or birthed, Corinth was like, oh man, they were the problem church. They were the one that probably gave him the biggest headaches, the biggest heartaches, but I almost could guarantee if I could talk to Paul, he would say it also gave him some of the greatest joys. But they had problems. They were young Christians. Uh, He calls them immature, and and they did all sorts of things that were off the tracks as a church. But out of that, and out of the teachings in in Corinthians, we get a lot of education out of it. Because you know what? We may not be as far as the church in Corinth was, but there are elements of it, or individuals within our church, That struggle with the very same things. And so we can look at that. Remember, early on, they were battling. What were they battling? They were battling over who was the better preacher, right? They had some three great preachers that came through there and spent time there, and they battled which one was the best. And they would argue about it so much so that they would be divisions. You know, one would sit where Ernie is, the other one would sit where Joe is. I mean, they wouldn't even sit together, they'd just be far apart. It has nothing to do with it. I know you two, so I can pick on you a little bit. It's a great thing when there's only a few of you, you're probably all going to catch it at some point in time, just so you know. I'll just just give you a heads up. Um, The other thing is they fought over who did the baptismal, and that divided them. They kept losing focus, which has been our main theme, right, about focusing in. And we use the binoculars as a reminder that we need to focus in on what's most important. What are some of the things that are most important as a church, right? God the Father, Jesus Christ on the cross, right? His resurrection, His burial, Scripture, Holy because it's, We're going to get into that today. There's a lot about the Holy Spirit in these next couple of chapters. I'm actually excited because it's almost like I said, it's a mini-series within the big series. But some of the things that took them out of focus, remember those? Not only were they fighting about the pastors and who baptized, but they also were having problems with marriages, right? They were divorcing their wife for no good reason and they just letting them go as, as unbelievers. Those that were single were trying to, to get married and, and focusing too much on that instead of just accepting the place they were in. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. We also talked about some of the infighting, right, about who was better, right? There was pride. There was pride involved with that. In fact, so much pride that they had a man that was committing sexual sin in the church, and they were saying, that's ah, okay. He's one of us, right? And we touched on that a little bit. And then last week, we brought out the two-by-four. Ken, I told you I was going to, yep, Ken's got this. This is for Ken. His daughter agrees that he probably needs this once in a while, right? But Paul brought it out, and, and I, I use the two-by-four as the, the WAP, right? You need that whap every once in a while to stop you in your tracks. And Paul did that, right? Because guess what? They were not only messing up in some minor areas, I would say, but some major areas. And the big one was the Lord's Supper. Remember that? They were having a wild party. Point. It was feasting. They were and again there was nothing wrong with the food as much as at that point. It wasn't idols, but it was the food that they were being selfish. They were forgetting their brothers who had none. And then they were getting drunk on the wine. And there was the haves and the have nots. And they again, division among the church. Paul hits them pretty hard because, again, it's one of the two ordinances as a church body is baptismal and the Lord's Supper that we still practice today. And we we learned that it's very serious. Fortunately, we're going to do it today, so you get a chance to do it right today, right? No pressure, but just letting you know, God takes that very seriously. So that was the two-by-four for last week. And then, like I said, now we're going to start chapter 12. And actually, chapter 12... Chapter 13 and chapter 14 all go together. In fact, if I was going to do a little mini-series, I'd put those three together. It's going to focus on spiritual gifts. It's going to focus on spiritual gifts. And I've titled today's message, Focus on Our Spiritual Gift. All right, true statement. Each of you has been given a spiritual gift as a believer in Jesus Christ. And not just one. Some of you have multiple. Some of you have maybe just one. Maybe you have one that's developed over time. Maybe you're not. Um, God gives each of you a gift. You have the choice whether you use it or not. And if you don't use it, and I believe this, and I've seen this happen, if you don't use it, God will remove it. Because God gives you that gift to be used and used in the church. And so we're going to look at that over the next couple of weeks. And guess what? The church in Corinth, they had gifts, but they weren't doing it right. And so Paul's going to correct that. And so that's the long backdrop to where we are today. So if you haven't been here, if this is your very first Sunday, you're right in the same boat with all of us. You're there. You're right with us. We're on the road to going forward. So verse 1 and 12 says, Now along." About, oh, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So again, it's not hard to come up with a title, right? Spiritual gifts. He lays it right out at the very beginning of this, and there's a definite break in the letter where he talks about spiritual gifts. And remember, this church was, he called them carnal Christians, he called them immature, he called them young in their faith. So Paul knows they don't have this all together yet. The spiritual gifts they haven't figured out yet. And so that's why he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want to teach you about them. I want to show you about them. I will also say from personal experience and even my own experience, most churches do not fully operate within all of their spiritual gifts. There's usually elements within the church body, individuals who are not operating in their spiritual gifts. So pay attention. This is a lesson for all of us. Because our spiritual gifts, if God gave them, could not happen. And we were fully functioning as a church body, there's nothing that couldn't happen. And so that's why I can say that. It's just, I've yet to see that fully fulfilled yet, where everyone's operating in that. I, I, sometimes I don't even operate in all of my spiritual gifts. So we need to pay attention. Here. So Paul's going to teach them. It's not something that just comes naturally. It's something that has to be taught. And so he does that with them. And he says, not the way you were before, right? The pagans. Remember, false religions have to mirror real religion and otherwise to be religion. So there's this little tidbits or elements that look to be true otherwise they would you just well that's just ridiculous and you wouldn't even be tempted to go away but remember the church in Corinth many of the folks were kind of playing both roads going back and forth so Paul saying no, no no it's not like what you see with those mute idols right again he and the muteness is kind of interesting because the idols don't speak right they're mute right they, they can't talk but does God talk to you yeah right how does God talk to you? You know I don't ask rhetorical questions, so come on, I'm looking for an answer. Uh, through His Word is one way, but He can use people. Yeah, wow, we're pretty good. We're good. There's one more. It's, it's probably going. You're going to go. Oh, of course. Pops in your head. Where does it come from? Where's that? That comes from your head, huh? Ah, there we go. Holy Spirit. That was the answer I was looking for. But all those things were true as well, right? And God will prompt. Other people, the Holy Spirit will lead them to go talk to someone else. His word, obviously, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Exactly, the Holy Spirit plays an intricate part in that. So I mean, our God is not mute by any means. We don't often hear that that audible voice, right? Here, many believe it. I've never heard God speak to me audibly. That's okay. God speaks to us more often than not through His word, through other people, through the Holy Spirit within us. Sometimes it's just that still, quiet voice that we hear, that whisper, right? But God does speak. So again, Paul's contrasting that and making sure that they understand it's not like the pagans, those false gods, but it's like the real God. He also puts in a nice little verse 3 here, and it's easier to run through it and kind of miss it, but he says the Holy Spirit basically will not say Jesus be cursed, right? Right? Holy Spirit's never going to ask you to do something that goes against Scripture or against God. Say that again. Holy Spirit's never going to ask you to do something that goes against His Word or His Spirit. Perfect example, right? God's not going to tell me to go down and rob the bank because the church needs more than 10% of my tithe, right? Right? It's not going to tell you to, to sin. Sin's never a good thing. Sin's not a gain. It goes against God's word. So many times I've heard that kind of justification, right? Am I the only one that does that? Self-justification. I kind of figure out, all right, I did something wrong, but let me figure out how I can make that so I'm not so bad. Right? Yeah, we do that. Holy Spirit's never going to ask us to do that. It's important. That, that's a key to a lot of things. If you're trying to make a decision or something, again, run it back through God's word. Even if you hear something, a preacher or from somebody else, or even if you hear it from my lips, run it back through God's word. If it doesn't line up, then it's not truth. Stick with God's word. You're going to be quiet there. Stick with the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is saying, ah, man, something he said doesn't quite jive. Right? We need that discernment. We need the Holy Spirit's help in that. And like I said, it's not going to tell us to do the opposite. It's not going to curse, but it's going to praise Jesus. It's going to help with that. Our Holy Spirit's going to give us that praise. It's going to give us that mercy when we don't want to give mercy. It's going to give us that compassion when we may not feel like giving compassion. It's going to help us love those people, even though we don't like them. You said that, Joe, right? They don't like very much. I'll tell you, between you and PJ, I felt like you guys were like stealing half of my message notes. i, I got to stop leaving them up here now. God pulls that all together. So Paul's setting the table now. Spiritual gifts... With the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. All right, what's one of the other major problems I kept saying the church in Corinth had? a rhetorical question. Help me out here. What, what was one of the other problems that the church in Corinth had? Oh, they were acting out. They had no problem acting out. But... Well, that was one of them. That was, one, that was back a few chapters. But division, right? Staying unified. All right. Well, look at this a minute. All right. We have different kinds of gifts. Right. Each has different kinds. So that means that my gift is going to be different than your gift. Husbands and wives even have different gifts. See how that could be divisive? Right? Certainly in a church, right? Remember, this church is prone to division and pride problems, and and so Paul's setting them up here and saying diversity is not bad, and actually it's needed in the church. God gives us each gift for a very good reason. Now, I make the joke, you don't want me back there working in the sound booth. You don't want me up here singing. You may not even want me up here preaching, but that's another whole story. We'll talk about that later. But some of you guys are actually nodding your head. Ouch! I thought this was Pastor Appreciation Month. All right, no, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Laurie. You got me. All right, there we go but different gifts, and they're not in competition. They actually complement each other, and they work together. And why? And the only way that can happen is with the unity of God. That's what Paul is saying here. We need the diversity, but we also need to work together. Again, I used the church service this morning. It, It all comes together, the music, the prayer focus, the missions, the sound, every element of it. Those that serve during the week, getting the church building ready those who have served in the past to, to help our, to get where we are. Right? Yeah, Point Way Church is here today, but a lot of folks have invested through the years to get it to this point. And we each come in at a certain point in time of Point Way, and we're here at a certain window. And I would love to say we're all going to be here for the rest of our lives, but I, I can't say that. I don't know that. But different this window in time. And God knew that. But He gives us different kinds. And he says, not only gifts, different kinds of service, right? When I read that and I looked it up a little bit, it's not to get the gift just for me to hold on to or to say, hey, I got this gift. i got the gift of encouragement. We'll use that one for, for now. i got the gift of encouragement. I can do that, encourage people, right? But it's for me. Well, what good is that gift if I don't use it and encourage somebody, Right? Does that benefit anybody else? I mean, I can proclaim it. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I got the gift from God. But if I don't use it, or you don't see that being evident in my life, what good is it? Right? It's a floor. It's got no value. So I have to take that gift, and I have to put it into service. I need to be using it and working within that giftedness. See the connection? It's one thing to get it and realize, all right, I've got this gift from God. Now, what do I do with it? And God has a very clear purpose for the gifts that he gives us. We're going to get to that. Again, Paul takes three chapters to do that. So I'm not going to do it all here on Sunday morning on today. Some of you are thankful because you're like, Charlie, that could be a long sermon. It would be. But they're different. And they're different kinds of working. They, they appear in each of us at different times. I'm going to make this statement. This is an opinion statement. I am not a huge fan of taking spiritual inventory. I am not a huge fan of taking spiritual inventory. I've told the elders this because we've talked about it. There is some value in it, but here's my, my, what I've witnessed through the years with that. You take the spiritual analysis. You say, all right, here's my gift, and this is my only gift, and this is my gift that I stay in. problem is we don't evaluate And God will move that gift. He'll take it. He only uses it for a time and he may move it to somewhere else. Or you may move to another church and that's not what that church needs. See what I mean? Sometimes that can pigeonhole us. And sometimes, and the the other problem with spiritual gifts uh, test is we take them by ourselves. I think a much better test is to ask people that are close to you. I really do. People who observe you or spend time with you They can see your passion, they can see where your giftedness, they know you, probably know you better. Because if, to be honest, if we're doing a spiritual giftedness, we probably know what we kind of want to be, and so we'll kind of skew the test, right? Well, you know, you ever have those tests where you answer to what you think the teacher wants you to hear? It's not the real answer, not what you really think, but that's the problem with those tests. So I'm going to put that out there. Now, some of you can hit me at the door and say, well, Charlie, I like the spiritual gift, this, or I don't know what my gift is, and so I need to take... I'm not saying it's wrong, but just be careful that it doesn't pigeonhole you. But Scripture says, and I believe it's true, each of us has a spiritual gift, and it needs to be put to work. All right, back to Scripture. Verse 7. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Right, gives you that gift to be used as a benefit. It's good for everybody in the church body. Right, just doesn't benefit a few or doesn't benefit one and certainly doesn't just benefit the person who's given the gift. It's good for the common good. It helps the whole body. It's needed. So what would be the reverse of that? So you have a spiritual gift. You're not using it. So it's not a benefit if it's not a benefit then what is it that's a hindrance it's a negative right it hurts the body we will not even go that far it leaves us weakened crippled or not functioning well and like i said if it stays that way for a long time guess what and god will just remove it from that person and give it to somebody else someone else will come in with that that giftedness and not replace that person but at least the use of that gift so it's important. Our gifts are important, and it's important that we use them to benefit all of us, for the common good. I wasn't going to stop there originally, but I just couldn't let that point go on its own. So verse 8, to one there is given to the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit to another faith. By the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing. By that one spirit, and to another, mirac- uh, miraculous powers. And to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are, working, are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. This is not an exhaustive list. There are other lists, other factors of spiritual gifts. These, Paul just uses these probably because these were the most commonly misused. And we know the tongues is because Paul's going to spend a lot of time on the tongues. The gift of tongues becomes a problem in the Corinth church. But there are other gifts as well. But just think about these gifts right here that he's given us. And again, wisdom and knowledge, we kind of get that, right? Because we remember, we talked about the culture, valued Wisdom. If you were a smart speaker and an eloquent speaker, you could get a following, you could receive money for that, you made a living off of that. Highly valued by the Greeks. So that like culturally, it makes sense. But there's a difference here. He's saying that the Spirit gives you wisdom, All right? And that's an interesting thing, that, that when it's Spirit-led, and Spirit gives you wisdom, He will give you actually knowledge that you have not studied for, He'll give you insight into a situation. He may give you the words to speak. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but it's, it's amazing when that happens. It's like, where did that come from? Where did I hear that? I, I don't know where I got that from, but it was wisdom, right? Imparted by God. And so if God enables you to, to retain wisdom and to be able to use that, then that's a giftedness from God. Again, our obedience will come after that. Same thing with knowledge, right? Some people can just retain knowledge, and they, it just sticks, and it all works together. I, I marvel at those people. PJ's not here. I can pick on her. She's one of those people, all right? I'll just say it. I married a very smart wife. She, everything was A. One of those boring people in Bible school together. Her grade was A, right? Everything was A. I mean, I had a variety. I had things going up and down, C's, D's, but she straight A's. In fact, the professors would come to her if she got a question wrong because they, they questioned the question. and she, really, she was really good. They wanted her to go on in education. She does have her master's, and she, but she loves knowledge. And she loves to go after that. I think she has that giftedness. She loves to teach. And again, it doesn't matter what age. PJ will teach the little ones, middle, women, she, older ladies. She loves to teach. But God's given that giftedness of knowledge and able to retain it, but also to speak it back and to give it out. Another faith. Amanda, we were talking about this this morning. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. I'm going to get to everybody probably at some point in time. Guess you might get a break, but no guarantees. But Amanda, we're talking about this, right? We're all supposed to have faith. That's one of those examples, right? Yeah, there are gifts that we all have an element to. But God actually gives... The gift of faith, or the gift of some of these others, more abundantly. We're going to need them more abundantly because God's going to use that gift to encourage someone else, right? People watch us. You heard the question, Well, oh, so where's your faith now? I hate that question, <laughs> right? They're calling us to task. There are times in our life that God gives us that extraordinary ability or giftedness to have faith in a situation that's far beyond us. To make that step when it doesn't make sense. You know, we talk about one of our core values at Christian Missionary Alliance, right? Taking faith filled risk. Taking a risk, taking and just trusting on God that extra faith that we need to get us over that circumstance. And that be, can become a huge testimony. And you know what? When I see other people growing in their faith, it's an encouragement for me. And again, it tends to challenge me to grow in my faith. Us all, these gifts help the body grow and it helps us all grow and it makes us stronger. So faith is one of those. But we're all to have a certain amount of faith. We are. Certainly. We're given that. What's one of the other ones here? The, the gift of healing. All right? That's an interesting one. I that, that, that can go sideways, too. And we, we know churches that it, where it has gone sideways. But we pray for healing, right? And the gift of healing, right? The, we, when we pray on someone, we want them to be healed. Now, how God uses to heal them is a totally different story. Right? How God chooses to do that, but we pray for healing. You know, We're praying for our president right now. How God, if God uses the, the medical community, if he uses a pill, if he uses just supernaturally he wakes up and it's gone we're just praying for healing right some people have the ability to pray over people and god moves on them they have a sensitivity to that and so the gift of healing was very evident in the early church remember in these churches as well the jews were there right jews became christians Jews were always looking for a sign to authenticate the messenger. I think that's why a lot more of these gifts were a lot more evident in the early church. They needed convincing. God knows that. Sometimes, even as Gentiles, we need convincing, right? right? Do we, all, we, we recognize when someone's miraculously healed. Maybe you're one of those folks here this morning, Right? It's a miracle. And there's no explanation for it. Doctors don't know. Nobody. God just does it. What does that do for the rest of us? Encourages us, right? It's church body. Reminds us to pray. Maybe we need to pray a little bit harder for that person to be healed. Trust that God's going to bring them through that. Another one, miracles. Miraculous powers could go on and on. All these gifts, if they're from God, recognize who gave it, but how God uses that edifies the body. It encourages us. It brings us together. But are they all happening on the very same Sunday at the very same time? No. It would be chaos if it did. might be fun for a little bit, but no. But they happen at different times as the body needs it, as the body grows. And yes, I keep using the body of Christ for a reason, because guess what? Paul's going to refer to that as well, which is a great illustration, so I don't even bother trying to come up see. Paul's better than I am in that. Prophecy, right? Prophecy has many talents to it. I'll just say that. There's like four different versions of prophecy. There's obviously the prophecy of telling the future, right? God used prophets in the Old Testament over and over again. Paul himself prophesied, John's prophecy in Revelation, telling the future. And that's got to come from God. Prophets in the Old Testament had to not only be able to tell what was going on way out in the future, it had to be something current. If you couldn't prophesy about something that was going to happen in the immediate future, you were discredited. And if you prophesied something in the immediate future and it was wrong, they put you to death. It was pretty clear and simple. They, they conned you as a false prophet and you were put to death. So prophecy in the Old Testament is a little different than prophecy in the New Testament. Prophecy in the church today looks more like just speaking the truth. Speaking God's word. God's prompting people to speak the truth. The future's already been laid out. It's already in Revelation. We, we know what's yet to come. We, the, the plan is already laid out, so we don't need a lot more in the future, but we do need to know the truth of today. What is God speaking to us today? What's going to help us today for the week ahead? What's going to help us today for maybe two months down the road? Prophecy is that way. Prophecy hinges more on that, more relevant, more current, more between the time frames that God has laid out telling you this is tough i'm skipping a lot here because you could you could park on any one of these and and these are all like sermon titles and other sermons but i'm not going to do that this morning distinguishing between between spirits remember what was right outside the church door in corinth right evil demonic spirits in the pagan churches and guess what they would come in the door Church doors are open. We are are a public building or semi-public at at best. right? Our door swings both ways and so anything can come in. And so being able to distinguish between what's truth and what's not is important. One of the charges to elders and to pastors, right? Sometimes we need, we we definitely need the Holy Spirit because we can't clearly see it. When someone has that that evil spirit about them or a spirit of disunity or a spirit that needs correction, right? It's not, not a sign on their foreheads. It's not like we have special vision. PJ used to tell our kids that. I'll, I'll, I'll throw her under the bus. I told her how great she right? Back down. She used to tell her kids, I can tell when you're lying. It's written on your forehead, right? And, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, shoot, mom caught me. And so they would just confess. You know, guess what? That's not a discerning spirit, That's not how elders can tell if somebody comes in or someone comes into our church body that has that. We need help. We need the Holy Spirit to give us that discernment. What's right? What's truth? Again, we have helps. We have the scriptures. We have each other, certainly through prayer and through the Holy Spirit telling us this is wrong. And then last but not least is, like I said, the speaking in tongues, speaking in different languages, different tongues, We're going to get into that because that's one of those, I don't know, touchy areas in some churches. Churches are divided over that one issue. It's amazing. Guess what? Church in Corinth was divided over that one issue, and I think Paul gives us a lot of instruction on that's not a divider, but speaking in tongues is in there, and yes, Christian Missionary Alliance has a a section on speaking in tongues and does have an opinion on that as well. But also with that is interpreting the tongues, right? And again, that's where some of the things get, get a little hairy because some people go off the tracks with that. Again, if tongues aren't for the body, if they're not part of that, if it's not for the good of all, so interpreted, it's a gift, but what good is it? So what, what would be the, it's hard. You can't find the common good. And so we'll get into teaching about tongues. All that being said, Paul wraps it back up with this last verse, and he says, all these are the work of one, the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. I mean, he determines who gets what gifts. I can't manufacture a gift. I can't say, well, I really don't want this gift. I want another gift. I want the gift of healing. I want to be able to, to... Speak over an appraise over, and they be healed. I want to see that happen on a regular It doesn't work that way. Spirit's the one that gives the gift. My job is, is when I realize what gift I have, is to use it. That comes in their obedience. So again, he determines it. But they're all to work together. All right, spoiler alert or a teaser. The next couple of chapters are going to talk about what happens when our gift's Work in opposite directions, or we think they are, or we get jealous that someone has a gift that we don't have. That's what's happening in the church. I'm going to wrap it up with these couple of verses here as we bring this to a close this morning. This is one of those transition verses, so you'll probably hear it again next time. It won't be next week, but the week after. But it says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. There's going to be elements coming up that's going to show us that Yes, we have all different giftedness and we can operate in different ministries and work in different ways, but we're all to be together. It's all that part of the church body as a group, as a whole, just like our body functions that way. All right? We need our thumbs. We need our feet. We need our eyes. We need our head. certainly need our hearts. Paul's going to use that, the body, and it's a perfect illustration of that. We need all those things if one's hurting. I'm getting into an age where things hurt from time to time. Anyone else in that boat? I had to move this week. Kent, I knew that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that you might hurt. Not, I didn't mean that you're, you're old or anything, but I don't know why I'm picking on him so much this morning. Maybe just because his daughter's here. So, um, But you, you know, if you do something, you do something more than you're used to, right? And, and, and then it hurts a little bit. What happens the next day? you're sore, right? You're limping. You're not at your best. You're not 100%. You usually don't go back to that same level. Things don't spring back. You might limp that day if it's a knee or something. And then what you tend to do is if you do that all day long, then what happens? Your other leg starts to hurt, at least with me, right? This this is my bad knee, and then this one all of a sudden becomes my bad knee because I've been compensating all day. I've been carrying more load than I was supposed to. not thinking about that. So if people have gifts and they're not using them, that's like a weakness. And that weakness, over time, causes other parts of the body to have to pick up the slack and to overcompensate. But it's still not operating at its best. And so that's what Paul uses the body for that. And we're going to get into that. That's not only the rest of chapter 12, but it's going to go through 13 and 14, about the importance of the body working together that watching theme of unity. So, this morning, as we focused on spiritual gifts, just a couple of questions for you. What are your gifts, what are your spiritual gifts here at Point Way Church? That's a, that's a thought question. You need to think about that. Maybe you already know. Maybe you're already working your giftedness, and that's great. Maybe you're not sure you know what, I thought my gift was this, but I don't seem to be, that's not my gift any longer. Maybe that was my gift 10 years ago. I've heard that said by believers, believe it or not. Oh, I used to do this, but now I don't. Oh, was it because you're operating your giftedness or because you didn't and God's taken that away? Or maybe he's given you a new gift. So again, you have to evaluate that. Second question, Why are you using your gifts? Are you using the gifts that God's given you? I will tell you this. I think I do have the elders on this. If not, the elders will lynch me later. But if you have a spiritual gift, we will allow you to use your spiritual gift at Point Way Church. We will, I guarantee we'll have a spot. If God's given you as a part of Point Way Church a spiritual gift, you will have an opportunity to use it. Yeah, I got some of them. My, my elders are shaking their head. I'm, I'm not going to get lynched. That's good. But it's the truth. One of the things as elders, we talk about it often. We want to give people opportunities to, to not only serve, but to serve in their giftedness. So if you've been given a gift by God, we will allow you to serve. We won't hold you back in that. We may shape it. We may help you along that way. Develop that gift. But we will give you an opportunity. So that takes away that excuse. So I'm going to ask the question again then. Are you using your gifts? You can't use, well, I don't have an opportunity. I'm going to put it back on you. So the next part of that is, why not? Why not? Why are you not using your spiritual gift? Bow with me, please. Oh, Heavenly Father, we need you so much. Lord, first of all, we thank you for what you do for us. We thank you for what you've done on the cross for us, Lord. And, Lord, salvation was step one. Now walking as believers is step two. And, Lord, our walks to do that, help us to continue to grow in our faith, help us continue to grow in our walk with you. And, God, help us this morning to not only recognize our gifts but to be proactive in putting them into practice. Lord, may you continually grow up Point Way Church. We continue to grow, Lord, that we do reach the lost and that we do disciple the believers. Help us in that. And Lord, as we come before your table, help us this morning not to forget the sacrifice that you made on our behalf to get us to Point One. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I need a couple of elders, at least two. Oh, Bryce is going to do it alone. You figured out your path? Well, if not, I, I can help you. We're a little shy even on elders this morning. Like I said, people are away on different things, and uh, Ike's keeping me mic'd up and sound, so he's tied up back there. Um, just for you folks that are here this morning, our communion table is an open table. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to partake of the the, the elements here. Uh, We don't close it. It's not a members-only thing. It's a body of Christ thing. And so we celebrate that. But that being said, at point where we do it together, but we also do it in the right order as far as respect. And so Scripture tells us, before we are to take of these elements, it says, Whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Does a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread or drinks from the cup? For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so what we like to do right here, right where you're at, right where you're sitting, just bow your head, close your eyes, moment of silence just between you and God. That point of examination to make sure that you're right before the Lord and that you recognize his sacrifice for us. Bryce, and he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread and for what it represents. help you. mentioned that we have two of these together so your bread is underneath doing the bread first it says for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you this in remembrance of me And the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. As the praise team to come up, and as they're coming up, um, a reminder. Yes, there are some folks missing this morning, but There's also more than enough for those that were missing this morning. It's a reminder for us as believers that we need to share the good news with others. That there could be many more people here today having communion with us. And so, again, as a reminder that we need to share the good news with those around us. So make that part of your plan this week as well.